Hi, it's Brian Denton with ProAct. Welcome back to the conclusion of a roundtable discussion that was hosted by ProAct and featuring Darren Arsenault, president of Capital City Produce in Baton Rouge, Jeremy Smith, president of Charlie's Produce in Seattle, and Jessica Noble, CEO of Magnetic Experiences Customer Strategy in San Diego. We continue the conversation with Jack Healy, CEO of Bear Hill Advisory Group. What advice would you have for uh, organizations as it relates to the customer experience, how to gauge and predict or respond to the disruption that their customers are seeing? So I think both Darren and Jeremy have highlighted and um, we've got the gold standard here. So not as many companies are doing it as you'd think by just listening in here, but it's really staying in touch with customers to realize and to understand what they need now. So what they told you two weeks ago, three months ago, may not no longer hold true. So really staying in sync on that front. Um, the labor piece is huge. I think we're all seeing that and just hearing how um, both Darren and Jeremy's organizations have um, provided resources in pinch to uh, their customers is huge. I think there'll be more situations like that where, you know, there may be some gaps due to certain types of events or market happenings. Uh, and then I'd say one of the most important things, and it's always important for brands, is to focus on main building and maintaining trust with customers, which can sound a little nebulous, but customer experience is about feelings and emotions, and trust is huge. And I think that's one of the reasons, one, that travel and those types of companies are struggling is they don't have a lot of accrued trust. Now that's a broad brush stroke for an industry, I understand that. Um, but when you have companies, and I'll pick on airlines just because I have deep background in airlines, when you see some of them already rolling back the measures they were taking to make travel safer, um, but doing that kind of behind the scenes quietly, when people get wind of that, that erodes trust so massively that then when you send out the email saying we're doing these 20 things still to make it safe, it's hard for people to believe it. So they are less likely to take that first step forward back into travel or whatever it may be. And the same for restaurants, although with restaurants, it's they're kind of stuck in the middle. And I've seen some restaurants navigate this beautifully, but you're seeing where they're held to a high standard to meet the guidelines for safety. You know, people wearing masks when they're in line and whatnot. And so you've seen some restaurants really proactively imploring their customers to follow the guidelines so that they don't get the consequence of getting shut down. And if you trust and have a relationship with that restaurant, you're more likely to behave or <laughs> obey. And that's huge because you see other restaurants who aren't um, pushing for that and they don't have clientele that really care. Um, and so they're getting shut down. I mean, I see it where I live on the regular basis, but there are some restaurants that have very tight relationships with their clientele and you want them to stay in business. So you're willing to do whatever it takes. Um, and on that front, I'm seeing some of those restaurants going out of their way to make the 
hygiene and sanitation and safety standards a part of the experience so that people want to participate in it, they are appreciative of it, which because a lot of this has become politicized, it, that's a tough spot to be in. So I'll give an example of one of the creative ideas that I saw in town is there's a cafe that uh, appeals to a younger clientele that if I'm again going to make broad brush strokes, um, are potentially those that are um, well primed to be super spreaders. And they've got a whole buffet of what look like soap dispensers, but they're hand sanitizers and they're all scented differently and they're fun bottles. They've got, you know, a rubber duck one and it's coconut scented hand sanitizer, but they've got probably 40 or 50 of these trying to make it part of the experience, trying to make it fun to encourage these young people to be a part of the solution. Um, which I think is brilliant because restaurants, they are, they're, they're stuck in the middle where they have to meet these standards and want to, um, but you've got a lot of times patrons who aren't naturally motivated to support them in that endeavor. That's a great point. It's, you know, we all are products of our personal observations and, um, the community I'm in, in Florida has, um, a more aged population and it just astounds me that that's the group I'm seeing without the masks and the ones who are socially distancing uh, the least and um, it's it's just been eye-opening um, and it's great that the that the restaurants are living it uh, it'd be just be nice if the patrons uh, would would live it a little more as well i won't get my parents out because they fall into that group of um you have to talk them into wearing their mask and whatnot and they're in the you know 75 age range um but so i, I have seen that too so when i ran a large finance staff as a cfo of a public company and something bad happened bad. whether we lost a, a customer or something I used to always challenge my staff and say, well, what's good about this? And at first everybody says nothing. Uh, and then you dig a little bit deeper and you say, no, 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 really. What opportunity, what's good about this? So Jeremy, I'm gonna put you on the spot first. Looking back at this, that none of us, when we started the year had anticipated we'd be going through. Um, what opportunities do you think of are positive for the industry? Um, what's what's good about all this and 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 how in how it's impacted us uh well there there are plenty of of uh maybe silver linings that we have discovered through the the covid chaos but um you know in in many cases we've you know paused during the opportunity that we've had to do different things in in our planning, whether it's uh, you know realizing that we've got a person in the wrong seat on the wrong bus, and you know you make a shift with personnel, and I'm not saying getting rid of them. I'm saying you know hey, we've really identified that you know we've got an opportunity to slow down in this division because it had a lot of food service impact, and let's uh, let's make the right changes because we have a a minute to do these things and so we've done that we've uh, actually gotten some remodeling done through different uh, facilities that while 
you're at full capacity. You don't really have that opportunity. Um, we had a couple of unique uh, operations where we really wanted to make some change, but when you're operating 24-7, you really can't. One of them was a, a microgreen operation that we uh, grow microgreens. And so, you know, a lot of little things. I think ultimately um, so many of the other aspects of it were, you know, how do we try to be smarter and uh, make sure that if we don't have a top line that's coming through at the same that we were in the beginning of January or at the end of February, how do we be more efficient and responsible on the expense side of the business? So I think, uh, you know, we kept everything tight and uh, being an ESOP, you get that feedback from top to bottom uh, once you start asking for those types of feedbacks to happen. So we've had plenty of things that have been uh, really good. And with all that said, I think, uh, you know, everyone would like it to go back to some kind of normal in the near future. Darren, building off that uh, and thinking about the customer experience, um, what's the good in this that you see for the industry and for your company in particular? Well, I think it's a great opportunity to build trust. I think when things are going good and it's going smooth and everything's running fine, it's maybe a little easier to live your core values. But when things get tough and you're having to make tough choices, I think both your customers and as importantly, your employees are looking at you to see, hey, you really live by these core values that you have in your in your company. And, and one of the core values we have here is that we're fair and respectful and um and honest in all relationships that we have and our relationships in our business obviously includes customers, suppliers, and our, uh, our team. And so you know, one of the opportunities that we have with our team was to um, we respect the responsibilities they have. So we guarantee 40 hours of pay for all of our hourly people. Um, and uh, for some of the folks that we didn't have actual work for, we sent them over to the local food bank and paid them while they volunteered. And it just showed that, uh, you know what, we can get innovative in finding solutions that's good for our business and good for our people and, and good for our community. So that's that's one positive um, thing that I see coming from this is building trust with important relationships. With our customers, we showed that, hey, there's time to make money and this isn't the time to worry about that as much. You can't be irresponsible. But with our customers, the uh, let's get you rolling campaign showed that, you know, we're motivated more than just by economics in this relationship that we're understanding. And I think all anybody wants from someone who's important to their life is when they're down is that they're attuned to their situation and they're you're not going to run from that. You're going to stand by them. And so I think uh, that's a very big positive. And that continues today because there's going to be challenges as Jeremy mentioned, for a long time with COVID, this isn't going away anytime soon. Uh, the other positive that I see is um, is, a, is the opportunity to, to um, solve problems for customers. And Jessica, I'm curious as to how you feel about this, but uh, I, I oftentimes feel that you build stronger customer relationships when every now and then there's a problem injected into that relationship and you have to show how fast you're going to solve it for them and whether you really care about them. And our customers, uh, particularly 
and these down segments like schools and casinos and hotels and restaurants are coming back, but they're still struggling. Um, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to uh, solve problems for them, and it, that's going to build great relationships. And I'll say uh, another positive that I'm seeing as well is that uh, there's there's an opportunity to form unique partnerships. Uh, we uh, we formed a partnership in the last three weeks with a, a food service distributor that services our same customers, but not produce. It's a totally different product. So we put a marketing campaign together with that other company. Uh, and this week, uh, their sales team is riding with our sales team, making introductions of us to their strong uh, food service customers. And we're doing the reverse. We're taking their sales people and owners uh, to our customers and making introductions and saying, hey, I think this other local company uh, might be of interest to you. And the, the pitch is, is that, hey, these are two locally owned businesses that have been around for forever that can help you fill the plate with local uh, local products from local families. And uh, that's, a, that's a partnership that would have never come about. Their whole team came and visited our place uh, last week to hear about us. We went over to their, their place last Tuesday. They gave us a tour of their facility. We learned all about them. We've got marketing materials developed that's being that's being handed out to customers last week. And we really look at that as a great partnership that only came about because of COVID-19 and this push that I think you see in all communities about let's do business locally. We all need to store up our economies as quickly as possible. What better way than ensuring that you know uh, money stays in uh, in with local people? So um, we're curious to see what comes about that. Uh, the face-to-face -face meetings, like I said, are occurring starting this week with customers. We've had great reception from the customers that we've introduced this concept to last week. And said, hey, would you be interested in us bringing along this other local company to talk to you about how you can bring other local products in? So I'd say those are three things, uh, Jack, that I see as big positives coming out of this uh, crisis. Wow. Um, live core values. And, and we've heard from all all parties on this that trust is is extremely important. Uh, Jessica, um, do you have anything to add to that? That was that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was um, so so true. And I love hearing businesses that really have made um, those core values living and breathing. And one of the things I would call out about trust, and especially trust during times of crisis, is how that influences customer loyalty. And I don't tend to um, talk a lot about customer loyalty because in good times, I think it's more often than not a near impossibility to build loyalty. Uh, I'm, I'm fickle. If there's something better, faster, cheaper down the road, love you, thank you for you know 10 years of doing a great job, see ya, I'm gonna go try something else. However, in crisis when there's a company that does right by you that goes above and beyond that takes care of you that cares about you and does those types of things and is trustworthy you really can build customer loyalty that will last for a long long time and if we were to ask the folks listening in to this session which brands are you kind of a die hard advocate for and when 
did you become a diehard advocate? And I know for my family, we actually have one brand that we're all diehard advocates going back to 1980. And it's a company that did right by us in a huge way. And it's those feelings of appreciation and loyalty last today, last through to today. And so I think companies that really stood up during 9-11, during the economic slowdown in um, the early 2000s, you see that they really built up that base. And I see it in restaurants where, you know, before people may have been more into variety or trying out different places, but during this time period, it's how do I keep my favorite places in business? How do I take care of them, do my part? And so really seeing that correlation between trust and customer loyalty, and that will last for years and decades to come. And the reverse, the companies that, that didn't remain trustworthy or that eroded that trust with their clients, uh, you won't see people forget that anytime soon. So almost if we could summarize a lot of what we've heard today, that may be the key to the customer experience. To have those, first of all, you have to have those core values heading into the crisis. It's not something that develops during the crisis. But then to live those values and show that trust to the customers. And it sounds and like... You have to start with your employees. Um, I think both Darren and Jeremy have mentioned it, Darren, most recently, that you have to start with that trust with your employees first, because if they don't trust you, it doesn't matter um, how trustworthy your customers initially think you are. That lack of trust internally will seep out, out to the customers. Jeremy, um, Charlie's Produce is employee-owned. Um, do you have some challenges or an advantage when it comes to the area of trust in your employees? I think that uh, that's always a challenge. You know, if you've got, uh, I guess what we have seen over the years is that in the beginning, it's really important that you do a, a great job onboarding and you're you know, first year is with consistency. The The biggest area of challenge is always typically the person that, uh, you know, through our, our ESOP is a vestment of five years. And, uh, you know, the by the time the guys get to five years, there are longevity of retaining, you know, valuable owners of the company is very high. We've got a a very large percentage of our employee group here that has been tenured past 10 years. I mean, I, th I think the number is like 43%. So it's, uh, it's key though in that first year to get, you know, that put in place because an ESOP, you know, certainly runs a little differently than in either an independently owned company or a corporation. So it's really getting uh, education and training and development in that first year to, make sure that you establish that level of trust and then certainly, you know, accountability and, sh you know, practicing what you preach. Yeah, it's, uh, with an ESOP, it is something that can give you an advantage. And then if it's mishandled, of course, it, it works against you. We yep. had a lot of great ideas today. And um, 
what I'd like the panelists to do is just to go around the table here and and given your experience and what you've heard today uh, discussed, if there are any um, words of wisdom or other imparting comments that you would like to leave on our uh, listeners as we talk about the customer experience and what we've learned so far from the COVID-19 crisis. And um, Darren, I'm going to start with you because I put Jeremy on the spot last time. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's it's a lot of wisdom, but I believe the number one thing we're looking at doing for our customers is, is making doing business with us easy. They have so many problems and so many challenges and their finances are not where they need to be. Their labor's not where they need to be. The business uh, demand is not where it needs to be. Um, it, it's it's I just can only imagine how they wake up each morning and say, how am I gonna get through all of these challenges? If you can be that partner that just makes it easy for them, you're a source of comfort, you're a source of, and these guys get me, they're going out of their way to help me, um, they're adjusting policies on minimum deliveries. It's one of the things that we're looking at doing now as customers come back. Don't worry about our minimum deliveries for a while. Let's just, if their sales are down and, and they can't make a minimum delivery, let's work with them for a while. It can't be for forever, but it can be for a while. And make certain that you uh, have a right frame of mind of, that we're going through a period of time here. And this period of time is where you can help people and do good things for the customer. And make certain your whole team's focused around that for right now. There's time to make money and, and, and make hay when the sun is shining, but the sun's not shining for a lot of people right now. If you can respond, be responsible to your company while you make it about the customer right now and not about your own company, I think that's probably the best thing that I could pass on. Excellent. Uh, Jeremy? I think similar lane. Uh, I would recommend everybody contact all of their customers regularly to understand what their needs are. That's great. Jessica, you just uh, finished a book on uh, the five mistakes people make. Uh, in this area. Um, sounds like on our panel, we have people who have been doing things the right way. Um, what's your takeaway from today? I think um, the biggest takeaway is we see and hear about companies helping their customers, demonstrating value, helping to solve problems. And Darren had mentioned earlier partnerships. And I would implore uh, companies where they're struggling is to step out of the situation for a moment and brainstorm, get creative. How can we solve this problem? And is there an opportunity for a partnership? I've heard from many companies, actually, I just heard um, last week from an international nonprofit and they've developed some incredible partnerships during this period and Darren had mentioned one as well. So I would really implore companies that if you are struggling and if there's an area of your business as you are reinventing yourself that you aren't good at, that you are losing money on or whatnot, step out of the situation, catch your breath and see, is this an opportunity for a partnership where we can help somebody else while they're helping us? So win-win. 
Thanks for joining us. And again, thanks to Jack Healy, Darren Arsenault, Jeremy Smith, and Jessica Noble for lending their time and expertise. You can find their contact information in the show notes for these episodes. Starting next week, we hear part one from our discussion on navigating business with limited resources. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and feel free to share this podcast with your network.